0: I want to say to remain prayerful. Have that hope that in the end, we will survive. Be patient, be protected, and be prayerful.
1: (laughs) Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. And I can actually not believe that I have this man in the same Zoom room with me that I have today. And I want to thank, I have to start by thanking Rayla, the director of the Global Women Club Manila, to introducing me to him because this would have never been possible otherwise. My guest today is a very famous composer, singer, songwriter, beautiful man, has done a lot of good in the world. And he is very, very known for a song, for many songs, but I think your most famous song is Christmas in my heart, isn't it? Welcome to my podcast, Joe Marie Chan.
0: Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm glad we had this moment together to chat as part of our journey together in life, our memorable journey.
1: Beautiful. You got the point. This is about most memorable journeys. So tell me, Joe Marie, that song, Christmas in My Heart. I mean, let's just get to the point. How did you
0: write it? When did you write it? Okay. Christmas in Our Hearts is the title. Christmas in, in our, our Hearts. hearts. Okay. Yes. I wrote that in 1990. Okay. And uh, at that time, my recording executive in Universal Records, that was the label that I was recording for, she suggested to me to come up with a Christmas album. Because um, since my other albums were selling very well, she wanted to hit the iron while it's hot. She wanted to take advantage. And so she suggested a Christmas album. And in two weeks, I had to come up with a collection of Christmas songs. I only wrote, at that time, three original Christmas songs. And one of them was Christmas In Our Hearts. How I came to compose Christmas in Our Hearts was like this. I had conceived that melody two years before for a different purpose. So when it came to writing down Christmas songs, I remember that melody all of a sudden. And I remember praying, praying to the Holy Spirit to inspire me to write good words to this melody. And it was a Sunday morning. My family and I were coming out of church where we heard mass, and suddenly there was a young lady who ran after me and knocked on my car, and she introduced herself as Rina Kanyiza. And her dream was for one day for both of us to co-write a song together. To make a long story short, the next day I invited her to our home And I played her the melody and together we wrote the words to Christmas in our hearts. And so that was the album cover, the album title of my CD that year. Thank God, Elizabeth, that after 31 years, the song is sung year after year after year by young and old people alike. That is a gift from God, a gift from the Holy Spirit. And I give thanks every day for the gift of music.
1: That's so beautiful. So there is no coincidence in life and the Holy Spirit always delivers, doesn't it? So you were, you were just at the right place, the perfect person arrived. So Joe Marie, tell me more about yourself. I heard in the, in the interview when I was the, in the Global Woman Club meeting, you were telling about your father. Your father came to the Philippines when he was very young.
0: My father was only 13 years old. Thirteen, when he left China to escape poverty, he brokenhearted, he left his widowed mother who was supporting six other children, six or seven other children. And so he left for the Philippines to try to earn a living. And I had not told this story, so I, may I repeat it? Of course, please do. After his father died, when he was only 10 years old, he had to work the small little farm that he had. And one day, there was a distant relative who had migrated ahead a few years before in the Philippines. He had a dream. He dreamt of my grandfather, the father of my father. In that dream, my grandfather requested him to please help Bring one of his sons to the Philippines because my grandfather told him he has a bright future in this country, but he needs help. So please, he even gave his name, Chan Bun Tui. And so that distant relative, according to him, the dream felt so real. When he woke up, he thought he could see my grandfather bowing with thanks and disappearing. So immediately he wrote a letter to my grandmother, and with a little money, he had a friend who was leaving for China in a month or two, and he requested him to deliver that letter to my grandmother. So when my grandmother received that letter, at first she did not really give it too much attention, but then that delivery man, that messenger came back and said, Uh, Tomorrow, I'm taking the boat to the Philippines. So may I fetch your son at seven o'clock in the morning? I'll be here. Oh, so then she remembered. So, okay. So overnight, overnight, she sewed my father a coat because she expected, she thought that it would be cold in the Philippines. So she made him a jacket. And early the next morning, she woke up And she asked one of the sisters, where is Chan Buntui? Oh, he's in the farm. He's plowing the field. Call him, call him. So my father was was dirty, 13 years old. Yes, mama, what, what do you need? Okay, I want you to, you know, take a bath, okay, and be prepared. Why? Never mind. Take a bath. And then here, here's a jacket. You are leaving today. What? Where am I going? you are going to the Philippines. So-and-so is going to fetch you at seven o'clock. So be prepared. So the rest was history. My father came to the Philippines and he lived in a small town called La Carlota in the island of Negros. And just before the war, my father moved to Iloilo city. That's where I was born. Iloilo is in the island of Panay. Okay. One evening, his friend said, let's go to the plaza, you know, to the town square, because tonight I heard that they're going to crown a half Filipino, half Chinese girl named Florencia, Florencia Lim. She's going to be crowned as Miss Bisaya. So they climbed over the fence to look at Florencia. And my father commented, oh, She is beautiful, not knowing that a few years later, they were going to end up husband and wife. But how they ended up together, that's another story. Otherwise, I'll be talking the whole afternoon. Uh,
1: I'm going to want to know, I heard another story about how you met, is it Marianne, your wife? We want to talk about that in a minute. When you think of this, the story that you just told me about how your father left. When I think of how we prepare our kids today to go to college and how long in advance we go shopping and what we tell them and how much we worry. I mean, this boy found out in the in the afternoon that he was leaving in the evening and he had no idea where he was going. How times have changed. It's amazing.
0: But the Philippines. Is a country of immigrants. And a lot of Chinese immigrants came to this country to find a better life. Yeah. You know, yeah. of course, yeah. we were under the Spaniards for I don't know how many hundreds of years. And we had the influence of the Spanish and Mexican in our music, in our food, in our culture. But the Chinese immigrants have contributed a great deal to our culture.
1: So, Joe Marie, how did the music start? How did it start with you becoming
0: musical? Okay. Well, Elizabeth, I grew up in Iloilo Ilo City in the 50s. I was born in 1945. So this year marks my 76th birthday. <laughs> it's your attitude Absolutely. in life. If you think you're old, you are old. But if you think young, then you are young at heart. So where I grew up, in Ilo Ilo city in the fifties, we didn't have television, certainly no internet. (laughs) What we had was the radio and the movies. And my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, the, the mother of my mother loved music. She would turn on the radio to listen to music the whole day. And my mother took after her. She learned to play the piano. And I remember her playing Debussy's Claire de Lune. Wow. Yeah. And so I grew up in this home. I was immersed in music all day long. And somehow I absorbed all that music that I heard. And just to give you an example, we had no television, but I would go to the movies with my parents. I would come home not remembering the story, because I didn't understand English that was spoken in those American films. Yet, I remember the music. So all throughout the 50s, I knew the music of love is a many splendor thing. It was fascination, I know, you know. So for some reason, I grew up really with music in my heart and in my mind until I was about 13 years old when I discovered that there was a need in me to express myself in music. I'll give you an example. In grade school, I had to get a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. Somehow, I was able to put that in my own melody. Jack and Jill went up the hill to get a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after, you know. So then I realized that 18, 14, 15 years old were what you would call derivative of the popular songs at that time. So if I listen to those songs now, I would tell you, oh, this sounds like one of Neil Sedaka's songs. Oh, this one sounds like Paul Anka. This one's, (laughs) you know, so, but that is how songwriters start. They copy, they borrow, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, until they become partly original until entirely original. But I also believe that there's really no such thing as original music. We grow, we learn from the classics, we hear Chopin and Tchaikovsky. We learn from Henry Mancini, Victor Young, you know, all of those composers.
1: I think that is so true. You know, like like people think that they invented something, but it comes from somewhere. You know, the, the wheel was invented a very, very long time ago. So, <laughs> yeah, that is so true. So talking about a little bit about Journey, I heard that you lived in New York.
0: Yes, I lived in New York from 1975 to 1986. That's a long time. 11 years. And my children grew up there. Three of them were born in the Philippines, but they spent a a great deal of their their life in New York. And two of my younger children were actually born in New York. By the way, this is um, out of the topic, but my eldest daughter who is also known, by the way, Elizabeth Ann. Nice. Elizabeth Ann Chan. When she graduated from the university here, she wanted to take up her postgraduate work. And I thought she, was go- she wanted to go into business. But no, she said, I want to take up Hospitalite. At first, I didn't understand. What does that mean? Well, I want to go to Switzerland. I want to study uh, hotel management called Hospitalite. And so she went to a school called Glion mm-hmm. in Montreux. Yes. Yes. And there's a small campus there in a town called Bull. Uh-huh. Bull, B U L L E. I know Bull. that place. Yes. And so she was there for two years and a half, I think. Uh, the campus of uh, Glion overlooking uh, Lake Le Mans, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful Montreux. And uh, so
1: our daughter studied at the Ecole Hôtelière de Lausanne, which is right near next to Montreux. And Lyon is not so small anymore. You know, it has really grown in the last year. Did she oh. enjoy living in Switzerland?
0: Oh, and, you know, I, I want to brag a little bit, Elizabeth. Please OK. At that time, when she was taking up hospitality in Lyon, um, apparently every year they would have a champagne competition. And I, I'm sure your daughter would know this. Mm-hmm. And so the best students from all over Switzerland would gather and they would have a champagne competition, taste and you know, knowledge about champagne. I'm proud to say that that year, my daughter became the champion, the first Asian to win the competition and the first English speaking student to win the champagne competition. Fantastic. Yeah, and she was telling me about, you know, that it was her professor that trained her taste, smell. I can't remember the details, but she said, well, this tastes like it came from an oak barrel and there are only maybe one or two champagne houses that use the oak barrel. So my guess is that this came from this thing and correct. (laughs)
1: that's an amazing achievement you know
0: yes yes and uh, I told her that do you know why you learn to love champagne and wine it's because you were only three years old when we were having dinner with some friends and I poured a little bit of champagne into a glass and I said here Liz why don't you take it while we were talking with with the guests She fell asleep.
1: (laughs) You know, this is funny because I used to do that all the time. When you tell that to certain people, they think, oh, my God, this is child abuse. This is I don't know what. (laughs) You know, I don't think any child is ever going to suffer from a tiny sip of champagne. But there are, you know, people are taking things so seriously these days. I'm sure (coughs) she slept well after that good champagne sip.
0: Yes. And one day it is my dream that you and my daughter, same name as you, could meet because I'm sure you have a lot of things to talk about Switzerland.
1: I would love to. And, you know, I have been in touch with the ladies from the Global Woman Club in Manila. I love Rayla. I have done a podcast interview with Monette Monette Hamlin, I, as soon as I can, I will visit the Philippines. You know, those 7,400 islands. I have studied the geography as well. I am so, so, so interested. And I I have so many friends which I have actually met online and I want to meet them in person and I can't wait. So I will visit. And um, I really, really hope to meet you in person as well.
0: That's Uh, a promise.
1: uh, It's it's a threat. (laughs) Tell me about uh, your concerts abroad.
0: Well, because of the popularity of my music, over the past several years, I have been invited by Filipinos living overseas. So I have done concerts all over America, Canada. I've done concerts in London, in Zurich. I did a concert in Zurich. Where else? Um, In Vienna. I did a concert in Vienna. And then
1: That's already good enough. I mean, that sounds like a very, very international career. Well done for that.
0: Thank you. But it's not really to an international audience. It's really for the Filipino audience.
1: What doesn't matter.
0: The Filipinos now are all over the world. They're ubiquitous. You find them all over the world.
1: I have listened to some of your songs and your songs are beautiful and I'm going to listen more and you are going to be on my Christmas program this year, definitely, because uh, I love Christmas songs. I love the whole thing about Christmas from the time you decorate the tree, while you decorate the tree, you play the Christmas music and there is definitely going to be Joe Marie Chan on on my playlist this year.
0: And then uh, Elizabeth, if you, in our email, if you could give me your address, I will be happy to send you... uh, my other CDs, including the two Christmas CDs that I have uh, produced.
1: I will do that. That's so kind. Thank you. Autographed. Tell me, do you travel for fun? I mean, now we're in a difficult situation. We're into COVID, but do you love to travel? Do you travel abroad on holidays or do you sightsee? What do you do? What's your travel habits?
0: By the way, my wife and I are married 51 years this year. And one of the things that we both enjoy is traveling. My wife insists that yes, we have been to Cyprus, we've been to Greece, uh, we've taken the cruise, but my memory now is um, not dependable.
1: Well, maybe you have been to Cyprus because if you were on a cruise, you could have maybe gone past the Greek islands and and Limassol. You would have been at the port of Limassol. But if you haven't, then you have to, it's just one more reason that you will have to come and visit me.
0: I know we've been to Mykonos and yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. because you were also saying Galimera to me before when we were meeting.
0: (laughs) That's correct.
1: In how many languages do you know how to say good morning?
0: Oh, um, okay. First of all, Maayong aga is Ilongo. Um, magandang umaga, that's Tagalog. And then, zo uh, an, that's Chinese. Or ho taki, is also Hokkien Chinese. And then, uh, good morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, buongiorno. <laughs> buongiorno. What else? Uh, Ohio gazaimasu uh, in Japanese. Ohio gazaimasu.
1: Amazing, amazing. Tell me, what is your favorite country? Do you have a favorite country? Apart from the Philippines, of course.
0: Yeah, well, I have to tell you that Switzerland is one of my favorite places. And I remember going to Genève and driving with my wife and we would visit the different cantons. And so Switzerland is one of my romantic places. The last time we went to Switzerland, I brought a CD. I compiled some romantic music and i called it music for the road as soon as we we rented a car and we drove out i put on the music and so the trip was enhanced by the music as we looked at the hills and the mountains and the lakes you know so romantic music italian music and french music and instrumental music I'm a romantic person, Elizabeth.
1: I can hear that, and I love it. And I want to know, because I, want, I heard that story in the other room, but I wanted to be on my podcast.
0: How did you meet Marianne? Okay. In 1965, December of 1965, I was singing in a school program, school concert. When this group of young ladies sought me out, went to the backstage, and the name of the, of the girl was Margarita, Margarita Ansaldo. And when she came, she said, uh, you know, we sought you out because we, we belong to a group of caroling groups, carolers, Christmas carolers. On December 20, we would like to invite you to join us in our post caroling party. So December 20, I said, okay, I'm gonna try my best because early the next morning, December 21, I'm scheduled to fly home to Ilo, Ilo City to spend the holidays with my parents and my siblings, because I was a student at the time in the university here. So Margarita said, oh, please, please do your best, try your best to be there. We would really love to have you. Okay, okay, Margarita, when the day came, December 20, I told myself I have an early morning flight the next day. I have to be prudent. I need to sleep early. But, well, I appreciated it that they came all the way. All right. Okay, I will go. So when I got to the address that was given to me, 179 M Paterno Street, the place was dark. The place was dark. There were no cars. Anyway, I rang the doorbell. And the door was open and it was the younger sister of Margarita, her name, Mary Ann. And she said, you're Joe Marie Chan? Yes, Um, my sister told me that you were coming. So they're running late because they still have two or three houses to carol in. But in the meantime, please come in. So for about an hour, Elizabeth, Mary Ann and I were there talking discovering about each other's life, each other's likes and dislikes, whom we know, you know, uh, mutual friends that we had. By the time Margarita and her friends arrived, it was too late (laughs) because Cupid's little arrow had hit its mark. I fell in love. Oh my God. Okay. And I remember telling her, I said, you know, Marianne, I think I'm inspired to write a song for you. And she said, oh, thank you. But you want to know the truth, Elizabeth? She told me later on, years later, that in her mind, she said, oh, boy, how predictable. (laughs) Why? Because she had heard from her classmates. Oh, you know this guy, Jose Marie Chan? When he meets a girl, he'll say, I write you a song. So, (laughs) so... So in her mind, she said...
1: She wasn't impressed.
0: How predictable. But she didn't, he didn't tell me that. She just said, oh, how nice. The next day, because I woke up late, I missed my flight to Ilo, Ilo City. I was able to rebook my flight in the afternoon. But since I had a few hours to kill, I went to my friend's house, a neighbor of mine. And I woke him up and I told him, you know, Johnny, last night... I met the girl that I'm going to marry. <laughs> that is beautiful. Okay, well, the story is, is not, it's not over yet. When I got to Ilo Ilo, immediately I worked on the song. Mm-hmm. And I remember the song was called Figurine. And I sent her a telegram and I said, Marianne, I have completed the song Figurine and I cannot wait for this vacation to be over. When I return to Manila, I would like to visit you again and sing the song to you.
1: Aren't you glad you went to this party? (laughs) You were were debating whether you should go or not because you had an early flight. (laughs) It was definitely worth missing that flight, wasn't it?
0: Absolutely. So we finally got married in 1970. Did I tell you this story uh, in the last group meeting? I guess not. She was... Graduated from the university 1969. She decided to spend the first year of her life in Japan. And she worked there as a missionary for the Assumption School, which was run by Assumption nuns. Okay. Many of them, by the way, were French and Spanish. Okay, so she was there uh, in Japan for six or seven months. And I remember calling her occasionally, but then she said, okay, I'll come home next year so that we could, we could get married. So when she asked the mother superior, she said, mother, I'm sorry, but I cannot stay longer because I promised my fiance that I would go home and we would get married. So mother superior, mother Guadalupe, that was her name. She said, Oh, too bad because we like your work here and we wish that you could stay longer. I'm sorry. Oh, then Mother Superior said, I have an idea. Why don't you ask your boyfriend that after you get married, both of you can come back and work as a missionary couple? How's that? And so her first reaction, Mary Ann's first reaction was, well, Mother, I, I don't know because uh, Joe Marie is working for his father and his father is a businessman and I know that he wants Joe Marie to be serious in business. I doubt it, but let me ask him anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when Marianne wrote me that letter, immediately I called her up on the phone and I said, the answer is yes. <laughs> so I asked my father's permission. I said, Pa, The good news is I'm gonna get married. Oh, good, good. Okay, I told him, after we get married, we would like to spend a year in Osaka. Why? Um, We are going to teach grade school, high school, and junior college there. We are going to be a missionary couple. And he says, that's impractical. (laughs) You're you're starting your life as a missionary. You're not gonna get paid a salary. That's not practical. And he suggested, okay, why don't you let Marianne continue her work as a missionary, and then I could introduce you to Mitsubishi, a Japanese trading company, mm-hmm. and you could work there. I said, no pa, that's, that's not the idea. So eventually, thank God, I guess the thought of becoming a grandfather soon, <laughs> he said yes. Uh-huh. And so the rest was history, Marianne and I, Got married March 10, 1970. And then we went on a short honeymoon. And I remember we went to Geneva. Really? Uh, yes. And we took a trip to uh, Chamonix. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, we, Chamonix. And we saw Mont Blanc. And we took the And <laughs> <laughs> Your honeymoon was to Switzerland. Yes. Yes. And also we went to Italy. Mm-hmm. We went to... Uh, Uh, the southern parts of uh, of Italy. And yeah. Beautiful. What a beautiful
1: story. When you went to, you know, no, something else crossed my mind before, because you were mentioning a few things like you were mentioning the word telegram and you were mentioning the word letter. We don't do telegrams. Do telegrams still exist? I don't know (laughs) if they even exist. Does anybody write letters? Today, you would just send a WhatsApp message, wouldn't you? Do you like the the way things have changed?
0: No, but I still write, I still want to write letters, especially to friends abroad. Although my handwriting has become um, a little bit uh, dizzy, but nevertheless, I like to write letters. And you know what, Elizabeth? Mary Ann has kept most of the letters that I wrote to her Ah. when we were courting. And even our anniversaries, I would write notes and letters to her and she would keep them. So one day when you're here, I will show you some of those letters. (laughs) Oh my God, that
1: is so sweet. Those must be very romantic letters coming from somebody who writes
0: songs. Indeed, indeed. Because, you know, when I speak from the heart, I'm a romantic person. I'm an incurable romantic filled with music in my head and my heart. So Beautiful. I can help.
1: Beautiful. Tell <laughs> me, do you think the world is good? Do you think people in general are good?
0: Generally, people are good. But, you know, um, unfortunately, I'm a little worried about this home, this, this planet that we call home. I remember uh, the Greek word, Oikos. Oikos the, ha- the ho- oikos, the house, yes. Yeah, the house, our home. Mm-hmm. And our planet mm-hmm. is our oikos.
1: Ecosystem, that's where the word ecosystem comes from, isn't it?
0: Yes, and we have not only overpopulated the planet, we have overused the resources and not replenished them. And, you know, the global warming is a real thing and it is affecting, look at all the wildfires Mm -hmm. happening in America. And then just yesterday, the hurricane caused massive flooding in the northeast of America. So we are abusing nature and our oikos is becoming fragile. In fact, if you close your ears, you know, listen with your heart, you can feel the groaning of our planet. And then there's so much, so much anger in the world, so much hatred. Uh, look at what's happening in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit concerned and worried about what kind of world our children and grandchildren will inherit.
1: Yeah.
0: But I don't want to sound like a politician, but coming from a songwriter, I want to write a song to express my concern you
1: should you should i am sure that would maybe make people think because i don't know if everybody is as because i'm concerned too and um, i think it's important that we all realize that we can all contribute a little bit you know i i always i always i believe so much belief in that uh, quote by gandhi saying be the change you wish to see in the world because we can all make a change
0: yes absolutely so you know, even the the amount of plastic that our countrymen throw into the river and into the sea, who, you know, and sometimes you see a dead turtle that accidentally swallowed some plastic.
1: Yeah, that is scary, and that is um, and that is very often people who are not aware. It's it's lack of awareness because um, I come from this point. Of course, we are also. Very privileged. I'm very privileged. I know that when you have a roof over your head, when you have running water, when you have electricity, when you have food in your fridge and a little bit of money in your bank account, you are part of 8% of the world's population. Eight. That's nothing, you know, and there are so many people, they have much bigger worries than worrying about the environment you know they their, their worry is to put food on the table for their children and and their families and i think that's where it all starts you know where we where the world ha- should be maybe a bit more equal
0: yeah but as uh, as jesus christ told us the poor will always be with us so how do we help to educate them how do we help to improve their lives we should not leave it all to the politicians because no. they are not capable no We should really do our share.
1: Yes. And their intentions, usually politicians are very often just, it's greed and power, isn't it? They're not really very, very often not really very interested in the the people.
0: That is correct. That is correct.
1: But now we are becoming too serious. We are here to have (laughs) fun. So, because we're already close, close to the end. And as you know, my podcast is called Most Memorable Journeys. What is your most memorable journey, Jo Marie, in your life? Have you got one?
0: Well, I've been able to balance my business career and my music. Because in our country, the Philippines, if you depended only on music, you may not be able to survive. You may not be able to support a family comfortably. Because as a singer, you could be popular for five, seven, eight years. And then after that, when the new artists, new singers come up, What do you do? Mm -hmm. So I'm very blessed that my father was able to train me and stress the importance of my business career. And yet he allowed me, he tolerated my being a songwriter and a singer. I'll tell you a very interesting story. I had a concert at the famous Carnegie Hall in New York City. And after the concert my father went backstage and i was surprised i didn't know he was going to be in the audience so the first thing he told me he said congratulations you were able to fill up carnegie hall that's
1: an that's an achievement
0: and he said to me you must have many friends <laughs> 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 i didn't want to i didn't want to say give me a little credit for you. <laughs> so i said Funny. Uh, I said, Pa, that's why I call him, Papa. Pa, I said, they're called fans. <laughs> 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 but he said, well, whatever. He said, you know what I'm about to tell you? He said, now that you've made Carnegie Hall, I think that it's time for you to retire. Retire while you're at the top. Mm-hmm. While you're at the top. Don't retire on your way down. He wanted you to work. Yeah, no, but you know, I had been, I've been working for my father since 1967. Uh Okay. So as though I did not follow his suggestion, I worked for him, but at the same time, I was able to balance it with my music career. So when he said, it's time to retire, I said, don't forget music is just my hobby and no one ever retires from a hobby. (laughs) That's very clever. That's very, very well explained. Very smart.
1: That's amazing. So you are in the sugar business. Your business is sugar, isn't
0: it? Sugar business, which I inherited from my father from scratch, Elizabeth. From scratch, he built his business up over the years. And I'm so proud of him, so proud of what he went through because out of hunger in China, He was driven. He was determined not to be poor again. He was determined to build a future for his family, his children. And so from what he has achieved, I don't think that I will ever be able to duplicate what he has done. I will never be able to fill his shoes. And so you know what? Every day when I pray, I pray for him and my mother. May they rest in peace. But I always thank him for the life that he has given us, for the comfort that he has given us, and for the lessons in life that he taught us.
1: Beautiful. Right, I think we are getting to the end, Joe Marie. Any last words?
0: Well, Christmas is fast approaching, and uh, yesterday alone I had about seven interviews, radio, television, (laughs) because they have associated me with the Christmas season. Uh because of the popularity of my song, Christmas in Our Hearts, which is sung by young and old alike these past 31 years. And so I guess my message is a message of hope. Don't worry, this pandemic will soon be over. I don't know when, but the important thing is we have to be protected. So to those of my countrymen who have not been vaccinated yet, Please do so. Be protected. Protect your family, protect yourselves, and protect your neighbors. At the same time, I want to say to remain prayerful. Have that hope that in the end, we will survive. So be patient. Be patient, be protected, and be prayerful. (laughs)
1: I think I have nothing else to add to that. That, Those were very, very beautiful words. And this was a very beautiful interview. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending time with me because I know that you are a busy man. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you.
0: And Elizabeth, don't forget the email. You give me your address and I will send you my CDs. Will you do that?
1: Of course I will. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information
0: in the show notes.